The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football with a little focus today. Pac-12 football? Formerly Pac-12 football. I forgot. I got to change the intro a little bit. Uh, (laughs) We got one of our best friends out there, one of the best guys in the business. He just... He's, he just does a great job. Chris Cartman, Sun Devil Source, uh, covering all things Arizona State. Sun Devil's joining us uh, remotely, and thanks, uh, Chris, for joining us. He was he was curious about how we were going to do this podcast going forward. We are still the former podcast of champions or Pac-12 schools for now, so at least for 2024. We're going to cover all those teams that we used to cover, or we, I guess we're still covering. But Chris, welcome in. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Uh, glad to be with you guys. Very excited that you're going to continue to cover our schools. Uh, we need all the help that we could get. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nonsensical. Ryan's got to work on his tense changes and what we cover, what we don't cover, what teams we're currently covering. We got to refer. We got to figure out how we're going to refer to everyone. Like I like the Pac-12 diaspora, but it's a little highfalutin. That's highfalutin. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We got to figure it out. 
probably a new name of some sort or at least a new tagline. I mean, it's four different conferences now. And one yeah. of them is like a two-team conference. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's like the what was formerly a formerly known, like Prince, like he was formerly known as Prince, formerly <laughs> known as the Pac-12, I guess. So I'm it should just sure. be a symbol. We, ooh, just like a, be a good, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Some kind of symbol or something. But. but we're here to talk to Chris about the great Arizona State Sun Devils. Um, I, I want to start with this. Um, so this was Kenny Dillingham's first year. Um, and obviously the record isn't, I mean, three and nine, whatever. But I, I know for me, there were a lot of signs of optimism, especially after the first uh, three games, I want to say. Um, what's the general feeling in Sun Devil Nation right now about Dillingham uh, and his trajectory uh, based on not just like the results of the season, but obviously what he's doing off the field and recruiting and all that? People were excited that he was the coach um, and they felt like they needed someone who understood inherently the organic uh, challenges of of ASU. And he went out and did a lot of fundraising. Uh, ASU was so far behind in NIL. It was just at the bottom of the major conferences. And um, things are a lot better now. Uh, they're not where they need to be, but I feel like ASU's transfer class this year was a lot better than what the program was able to accomplish uh, in his first cycle when he inherited a roster that needed to be totally rebuilt, 50 plus new players. You're not going to be able to be that successful. And then they had the injuries. Uh, they were on their fourth quarterback by the third game of the season. They had uh, seven, eight O linemen that were hurt last year. I'd never seen anything like it. So there's no way they were going to be able to compete to, you know, especially with the, the, the looming understanding of not going to be able to play in the postseason due to the self-imposed bull ban. They were never going to have a successful season. They were unlucky, I think, in some ways, turnover margin in particular, um, which is sort of random. But uh, the the recruiting has been pretty good, and they're 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 headed in a much better direction. I think they're they're uh, the addition of some of these guys that they've added. Uh, they're going to be better at almost all positions across the board this year. Chris, the uh, covering USC for as long as I have, I've had my fair share of chaos, you know, to cover. There's just crazy like what like how you know things that are like that's an insane story and it didn't even make the top five for the year i mean a lot of stuff i mean the hermit like there was so much stuff going on at asu and you bring in this like you know young guy like kenny dillingham as david talked about is this seemed like it's like last year was just you were in it was a kind of a whirlwind thing and now things can kind of settle down and actually try to build a football program and, and get things kind of going. Does it feel like it's a little more settled than the sort of craziness that we saw, you know, the last couple of years? Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, actually, especially with Ray Anderson's departure. Um, still need a new athletic director. That's probably going to take another couple months to get resolved. But whoever that person is, they'll have a very fresh perspective on ASU athletics, which really needed a comprehensive overhaul. Um, so many problems from just uh, a mistaken hire in Herm Edwards to begin with, um, a lot of uh, disconnection from the boosters. So Dillingham is, he's going to be here for the long haul. I, I really see no way in which he's not at ASU for at least the next several years. And um, it's a, even with the transfer portal era being what it is, we're still in a four-year, three-year sort of a thing to really rebuild a, a program. I and mean, we saw that at Arizona, right? It took it took three years uh, and everything kind of went right for them this last year. But And they got a phenomenal quarterback who's young and, and uh, one of the best receivers in the conference, if not the country, in the year ahead. So that's great. Uh, but I think that when you start from where ASU was, it's going to be a three to four year makeover, you know, even in the current um, everything happens fast sort of climate. And um, that's okay. That's just the reality of the situation. We all know uh, Ray Anderson's uh, departure, which shockingly seemingly came at least partly on his own terms was long overdue. 
Um, and with that, I mean, the current situation where are, are they operating with an interim or just the absence of an athletic director? Yeah, they have an interim, uh, Jim Rund. He's a official with the university who's in the past uh, service the same role. Uh, he's been around a long time. He understands the dynamics fairly well, has a good relationship with Dillingham uh, and, and a lot of the other coaches. So things are going well in that regard. And I think that's the reason why, or one of the factors that they're not that uh, in a rush to, to replace Anderson. Um, it kind of wasn't expected actually that Anderson was going to depart. Michael Crow is whose president was very supportive of Anderson and he's going to continue on as a law school professor and some of the courses that he already previously taught, which is also sort of bonkers. He's going to be the highest paid law school professor like in the country. Maybe <laughs> does, he, does he have dirty pictures of Crow or something? Look, uh, people what have. is it with the university leadership in that state? Like, what's the deal? I wanted to think because, like, Michael Crow it seems like he's good at leading the university, but really, really bad with the athletic side of things. And maybe yeah. with Arizona, it could be, I don't know, the opposite. Or, but what, yeah, what's Put going them on? together, their powers <laughs> combined. The conference realignment stuff was also just super messy to the point where people on the border regions were like in an argument with Michael Crow, like in a meeting. Um, he has so much power because the university under his leadership has gone from a one, $1 billion entity to like a seven or $8 billion entity. And so that the juice that he has, he was trying to like, just use all that. And everyone got to a point where they were like, man, this is, this is even for you, we're, we've reached a level that this is kind of ridiculous. And so things are a little bit different now from a, from that dynamic, which I think is also a better for ASU moving forward. With so with Anderson, I guess the and this is just maybe my last retrospective question. It's just he it's seemingly that the Herm Edwards era did a significant amount of damage, obviously, and it's still reverberating through uh, for Kenny Dillingham with this past season uh, having the bull ban. Uh, Anderson. Uh, seem as you just said, had a lot of support from Crow, and obviously some of that can just be interpersonal or whatever. But what's your f why? Why was Anderson allowed to um, operate in this way for so long, and basically run it as like an extension of his personal agency with Herm Edwards uh, for one thing? People don't like to admit that they were wrong, David. <laughs> oh, I cover UCLA. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I mean, look, he hired him. And they were together on this, you know, fait accompli thing about the Pac-12 and the TV rights stuff. And they were just so wrong about everything. It's very hard to just come out and be like, yeah, we were wrong. It's, it's easier to say everybody else let us down by wanting to break up the conference and do all the things that they wanted to do. Oh, we were going to have it all sorted out with this Apple TV thing that was going to happen. Like that's. It's it's easier, right? It's a it's a it's a better narrative when you can't accept that you're not the smartest person in the room, and so that's kind of what happened. Um, we got some. Oh, sorry, good wrong uh, camera angle there. Some news kind of came out in the last week or so that we finally have the Big Twelve conference schedule for 2024. So I want to kind of get your thoughts. Uh, for Arizona State, but you look at the uh, there's home games against Wyoming and Mississippi State, um, and then a, a interesting road trip to Texas State, and then the rest of the way it's all uh, Big Twelve games. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on overall ASU's uh, schedule for 2024? It's weird. Um, <laughs> like, like how, how does ASU go to play at Texas State and then at Texas Tech the next game? That is like, so weird, yeah. It, when they scheduled the Texas State thing, it was Texas State was just becoming an FBS program. And it was like, oh, that's going to be a, a, a cakewalk. People can stay in Austin and drive down 45 minutes of the game and whatever. That's cool. But now they're like, actually like a good program. And why are you doing a home and home with, that, with an actually good program that you can yeah. lose to? Um, you know, another sort of a mistake by the prior regime, really, when you look at it. But 
Um, people are people are dismayed by the lack of the historical traditional stuff that that, that we all like. Um, you know, I, as long as I've been alive, of course, it's 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 been the same uh, for us, and now it's totally different. And um, takes some getting used to. You're going to go see some new schools and some some new experiences, which is kind of cool. But uh, overall, I think it's just sort of a lukewarm sentiment that people have, and there's a lot of um, you know, just you know, just frustration about how we got here. Yeah, it's real really quick, interesting. Uh, Dave, I'll go over it real quick. Uh, at Texas State to start uh, home games against Kansas and Utah, familiar opponent. Two road games: Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. Uh, home against UCF. At least you don't have to travel all that way. Going at Kansas State. Uh, that's fun. Uh, BYU at home and then going to Tucson to play Arizona. So, um, yeah, sm sm small commentary there. Two back-to-back -back roadies. Uh, your new conference is not uh, doing you any favors. Why am I getting happy birthday balloons? Why are you Brian? getting balloons, David? Why did that just happen? That's awesome. You, that's did you do that? Ryan? No, I didn't do it. I don't have that. I don't even have the capability to do that. I didn't turn that on. That's uh, on your computer. Did people see well, that? If you're in the chat, did you see balloons? Did you see the balloons? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Anyways, um, the balloons are not for ASU schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one rating that had ASU as the toughest Big 12 schedule. They, they got five on the road, four at home. Um, they miss a couple of the better teams from the conference this past year. But they also don't play a couple of the worst teams from the conference this past year. So that, I think, kind of evens out. But um, they're playing some teams that they've never played before and going to some places they've never played before. That's kind of cool. I don't think anybody expects ASU to compete for a Big 12 championship. So it's really not about that. It's just sort of a, you know, you're immersing yourself into this new experience and you're trying to get better and maybe be a bowl-eligible team if things go well. So... Uh What's really interesting to me is talking to Jason and getting the vibes from Arizona fans. It's markedly different, I think, the level of enthusiasm about the new change. And I'm much more aligned with ASU fans. I, I, I think this is ridiculous, everything that's happened. Uh, but why do you think there is such a big difference? Do you think it's the basketball focus for Arizona that has them more excited? What, what is it about the, bit, the move that has uh, ASU feeling more lukewarm? Absolutely. It's basketball. Um, ASU is going to get absolutely punished in the big 12 in basketball. Like yeah. it's unless things dramatically change from a resource standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, leadership, whatever, there's just no way that, that ASU is going to be able to be competitive. Um, you just look at it and, and there's probably eight to 10 teams that are going to be better than ASU projecting into next year in the big 12, um, unless there's a, a roster overhaul that stems from some windfall of cash in NIL that nobody expects or understands how it would happen. Um, just given the nine year tenure of Bobby Hurley and what he's accomplished or not accomplished really, uh, to be more precise, um, that's the issue. And and I also think that, that uh, because ASU has been to the Rose Bowl in the past couple times, even though not in, it's been forever, but, there was a, an understanding that that was possible in in the the Pac-12 in a way that for Arizona it never was possible, so, or perceived as possible. And you think when you fuse those two things together, there's an excitement about what could happen in the in the Big 12 that for Arizona fans that just does not exist for ASU fans. All right, um, last year, a lot of roster turnover. Kind of want to get an update on where the roster is now. I know the the biggest news lately uh Jalen Clem the uh offensive lineman from Washington I believe started seven games son of Adrian Clem who I think is still offensive line coach with the Pats maybe maybe not I don't know um, he had a health issue that he's like stepped away because of a health issue and so okay. now his status is sort of un undetermined okay but uh yeah, Jalen Clem we got a picture of him here but um yeah and, and he kind of, what's the the roster kind of turnover and, and updates been like they needed a lot of help. Um, offensive line added four Division One transfers, two starters. Uh, I think they'll probably go nine or ten deep there this year, which is uh, 
a considerable improvement. And they added Sam Levitt, a Michigan State quarterback transfer. He'll compete with Jaden Rashada. So that should really boost their overall situation. They, they still have Trenton Borgay back as a third option, which is a very good third option to have. A guy who started and played a lot and understands the scheme and everything. Probably going to be a coach. Um, so they, they've uh, had a bunch of players that they had to replace who were starters at other positions, especially on defense. They've done a very good job in the portal. Linebacker in particular, safety, those, those look really good. Um, they've added uh, San Diego State's uh, team MVP, who's only a junior, who's a linebacker. They added uh, New Mexico State star linebacker at over 110 tackles, I think, last year to lead the team. 10-win team, actually. Um, they've added a bunch of size and, and will have more depth at the point of attack with their defensive line. Their safeties are really good. Xavier Alford, you guys know he couldn't play last year, but uh, he's one of three or four safeties that are going to be really good. And um, then they, they um, of course, from Oregon, got uh, one of the best young defensive backs there who's originally from from uh, the Valley. So uh, I think you put it all together, and, and um, the talent is definitely notching in the positive direction. Uh, the whole team is really, in my opinion, going to be predicated on um, are they able to get quality quarterback play and are they able to protect the quarterback? You put the, if the, those two things are markedly improved, then um, because Brian Ward had really good game plans on defense, including against Washington, like maybe the best of any uh, of any team, and those guys play really hard. So the reality is that even with a bunch of new players, uh, if they have more depth, they won't wear down deep into the season, if they can get good quarterback play and offensive line to protect, then they'll definitely be a, a considerably better team. Play 17 to seven and almost killed Chip Kelly for it. They almost, almost ended his tenure. Could have done it. Maybe I would have been really, hate, I would I would have been an ASU fan for life. Um, <laughs> so the vibe in the press conference and the, the vibe in the, the press box that, that, that night, by the way, David was, um, there were some people that were a little bit uh, excited about the prospects uh -huh. of uh, that coaching change uh, yeah. being precipitated from that. But uh, you guys who wanted that didn't get your wishes. No, 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 no very much not. Um, <laughs> so looking at um, – so we did this with all of the publishers like five, four or five years ago where we talked about like how the programs are situated, what expectations are, and all that kind of stuff. And I think the general consensus was ASU – cycle up to a conference contender probably once every four-ish years, and then in the meantime, be a consistently good bowl program uh, in the other years. And up until very recently, that's more or less always been true. ASU is always at least seven and five, and then uh, in good years, much better. Um, that was in the Pac-12. What is the, like, when you're doing a competitive prospectus about ASU's potential in the Big 12, do you see it as in the upper echelon of programs in the league? Do you see it as middle tier kind of again, like where they were in the Pac-12? Or where do you see them kind of fitting into the hierarchy? Great question. I think that what we've seen from recruiting rankings and the transfer portal stuff, there are indications that the conference is very gettable for ASU. Like they're in the top four or five in some of these categories um, in terms of how the classes are perceived even when they're sort of at this nascent stage of developing their NIL and uh, trying to catch up with other programs from a recruiting standpoint with 2024 uh, kids still. 2023, 24, they're behind. 2025 is kind of when they're, they're finally up to speed. So I feel like when you put those things together and you have staff continuity, they've re-signed the best recruiters to extensions, their coordinator to an extension, the... You know, if they can if they can iron out some of their biggest needs, which I talked about previously, they have a, uh, as much, if not more, potential in a Big Twelve that no longer includes Oklahoma and Texas. Like, why not? Uh, uh, you know, Oklahoma State is at or near the top of the food chain in a conference that they didn't even look that much more talented than ASU this past season in a lot of respects. Like, they had great coaching. And they are able to, and they have a, a winning culture that's been established for a very long time. But I feel like once you establish culture, ASU shouldn't be able to um, 
you know, struggle to have talent that's at or near the top of the the Big 12. And so I don't think that there's not a lot of change into what aspirationally ASU should try to be or think of itself as going into this new conference in that respect. Chris, you had mentioned um, the uh, quarterback situation, uh, Borgay still being there, but it seems like it's going to be a Jalen Rashada, Sam Levitt sort of battle. Is that kind of what you're expecting to see this uh, spring? What's that kind of shaping up to be like? Yeah, very much so. Um, Rashada, super talented, young, developing, big arm, uh, beautiful deep ball. Um, a lot of the finer details and points and, and understanding situations and making more precision passes that are short to intermediate are still not there. Um, and his leadership and maturity, probably still not there. But the, the talent is so great that it's intoxicating almost. It's hard to not like wa want to have him be your quarterback probably if you're an ASU coach or your fans. And then I think of Levitt as being somebody who is also talented, but more of an operator, um, so to speak, which I don't mean that in any sort of a bad way. Like you could look at Bo Nix as like a great operator, like an incredible operator. Uh, in a way, because you don't, people don't see him necessarily as being a phenomenal uh, NFL pro quarterback prospect or whatever. But so um, between the two of them, I think that there's fair amount of differences and stylistically and in terms of um, just kind of what they bring to the fold, but they're the same age. They're both quite young. Neither one of them is very experienced. And so it's going to be a challenge to see if they can be accelerated to the point that they're at least um, able to execute everything that you want to be able to do. Because remember, ASU has Elijah Badger coming back. He'll be one of the best wide receivers in the Big 12. And they have a complement of other receivers and skill players that should be pretty good and allow for this offense to be leaps and bounds better uh, if the quarterback play is is there and we just don't know if that's going to happen yet or not in terms of dillingham's uh, vision for the program and how he wants it to function once everything is kind of in full swing once nil is at the level that it's competitive with everyone uh everyone that's at you know asu's level obviously nobody's competitive with ohio state but like at at uh the respective competitive level um what is class composition um, is he going to want to attack the transfer portal aggressively or is it mostly going to be built through high school? Uh, does he see the footprint changing with the Big 12? Is the recruiting footprint going to change? Are they going to target Texas more and de-emphasize California? What is the plan for California now that there's not going to be regular conference games in California? Like that, just what's what's kind of the vision for, for his program going forward? Yeah, um, this is really the, some of the most important stuff here. Um, ASU is a very good destination for guys who are dropping down from the, the blue chip level. Um, Clayton Smith, Prince Dorba, um, mentioned Cole Martin earlier coming in from Oregon. Uh, you got Jalen Clem coming in. They're getting guys who maybe were the, the, the top backups at elite schools that saw that they were still going to be behind other players for another couple of years and they don't really want that. And I think that uh, they're bringing a lot of guys home, guys who went to other schools thinking that they were going to enjoy playing at the highest level and then maybe not being what they expected. And now they're returning to, to, to be at ASU uh, from the Valley. So high school recruiting has always been a problem for the top recruits at, at, at ASU in, in just Arizona. And I think that they're getting some of those guys now, the Bram Waldens of the world who were number one uh, in their class coming out of Arizona and they're now dropping down. But I, they also want a mix. So they, they don't want to be, they, they'd rather have as many or more high school recruits as transfers ultimately in the grand scheme of things and be able to develop players and, and do a good job on the evaluation piece. And to that point, I think that they did that especially with their Texas recruiting in their first cycle. Like they got CJ fight, a D tackle, probably their, their, their best freshman. And he was a starter level player, even though he was, had just turned 18 
and he was like a three-star. And Montana Warren broke his collarbone, didn't play, but he looked like he was one of their best defensive players, also from Texas. So they've gone very aggressively into Texas. Of course, they have Brian Carrington and Rashad Samples. Those are uh, uh, their cornerbacks and wide receivers coach, top recruiters, Houston, Dallas. They're, they're, they're putting more effort and energy into Texas, and they have that ability to sell that because they're going to be playing a lot more games in and around the state moving forward. So that makes a lot of sense. They still have to cherry pick uh, the West Coast. They've uh, they got uh, the top ranked recruit in Oregon. They got another uh, uh, they got a couple of players from Washington this year, including an All American running back, Jason Brown, who's a four star type of a prospect. And then they've also um, gone into California in a targeted way. Like they got Butter Tollison, who's a 2025 quarterback commit, really early on from Southern California that they're trying to use as an anchor to build around in that class. They have. Uh, well-regarded offensive lineman already from California in 2025 as well. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of a, it's not going to be as concentrated in California as like what Antonio Pierce in, in her Edwards earlier on were trying to do. Um, but I think for where they're at now and where they're going, it makes sense to be more in Texas without losing focus on Arizona or California or the West coast. And also you don't need, 20 something kids from high school anymore like it should be probably around 15 ish kids from high school in a recruiting class and that is very like you can probably get at asu eight nine ten kids that are in the top six or seven hundred of a recruiting class uh and and then do a good job on the evaluate evaluation piece with three-star guys that maybe were not as appreciated and i also think that when other schools have the ability to get so many transfers that are at the very top end that that maybe unlocks some of these high school recruits that that ordinarily would be going to better schools in ASU that you can actually maybe get now if things are going well for you. It's funny you mentioned Antonio Pierce. How crazy is it? He's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders now. <laughs> the guy is a phenomenal coach and and he is extremely dynamic personality. Like people are transfixed by him. And that's actually partly what led to a lot of the problems at ASU is that everybody kind of got on board to his way of, of magical thinking about we can do all these things and it's going to be fine when the reality is everybody loses their job and, <laughs> and a bomb detonates and there's still smoke, uh, you know, wafting around. But I don't think anybody cares about that at the NFL level. I think people at the NFL, they see college football is totally broken. Recruiting rules and all these things are a joke. Somebody who's just trying to get things done aggressively, that's actually maybe not a bad uh, idea for Raider hierarchy, right? And so <laughs> they it's just a totally different thing. It's, it's funny and it's interesting, but college football and the NFL football, they're just totally different worlds. But we always knew that he was a really great coach and a really dynamic personality who had a lot of upside, you know, and really he should have been ASU's coach, not Herm Edwards, but <laughs> he should have been ASU's coach with a better leadership structure in place above him at administrative and compliance level to prevent the things that happened at ASU. And that's what's so sad about this is that the opportunity was really there to flourish. They had eight or nine top 100 kids in Arizona, in California in the 2019 class, they were killing USC and UCLA in recruiting actually for how bad things were in a period of time there. And there was an opportunity and they just, they just kicked it away with their own, you know, stupidity and arrogance. Ray Anderson, baby. Um, I, I got to get to the bottom of this and you're the man who will provide the straight scoop. Uh -oh. What is the backstory of Kenny Dillingham's answer? when asked what his favorite band is and he said train i want i want i want a full minute by minute breakdown of what went on here was that a joke answer was that a serious answer if it was a serious answer i want all the details all of them it was a serious answer oh um, my god and, and, and how fact, old is he he's 33 or something yes he's an old soul apparently i don't know but uh apparently so they played train the next day to start <laughs> after this. And I, I showed up and I was like, wait a second, this is train. It was like blaring from the parking lot. 
Meet Virginia. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, so I asked him that. I'm like, were you serious? Like, what's going like, do you need some help like like connecting to classic rock or even like some better 80s stuff? Like, like what is the what is your problem, dude? And I just the, the guy is so enveloped in football that he's not exploring Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. I mean, he, he the guy's not listening to Pink Floyd or Zeppelin. Like he doesn't know. He doesn't know. I mean, he's not. He probably doesn't. I can't even name five, three or four Def Leppard songs. <laughs> I don't know. Drop, so, drops of Jupiter, baby. Hell I mean, yeah! I love that you tried to get to the bottom of that too, because David, like, that's one of those things, David. Just I can't need to let know. Go. Yeah. No, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go to Big Twelve Media Day, and I'm gonna have to really press him on it. He's yeah. a little bit quirky, you know, almost kind of like nerdy in, in yeah. a way, but it's sort of like an endearing you know natural quality that he has I, yeah. you know and the train's not terrible i'm gonna i don't know if you guys disagree i'm not saying train's good but train's not terrible it's not like you know he didn't say um yeah i don't know he didn't say some or or <laughs> yeah no no so it's it's basically it's the, the the thing i said about train when he said it was that is nobody's favorite band. That's got to be – no, there's no way because it's it's like, okay, if I hear Drops of Jupiter, it's like, okay, it's a nice little ditty or whatever. Uh, but it's not like, oh, I love that band. I want to listen to their whole discography. I, it does, it, I agree. It's not <laughs> It's not somebody who's a music connoisseur. No. That's all you can no, say. That was amazing. Up there. We had a, a question from Amy in the chat. Uh, if you guys um, – we're going to – let Chris go here in a minute, but if you do have other Pac-12 or former Pac-12 questions, you can put them in the chat if you're watching live. We appreciate that on our YouTube channel, and we'll try to get to them. But she wants to know, does ASU have deep deep pockets for NIL? Uh, maybe deep pockets and skinny jeans. Uh, <laughs> no. They, 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 no. Um, ASU had, like, nothing. ASU was well behind Arizona, to put it in perspective. Like, a year ago and Dillingham uh, had a um, there was a booster event for ASU's largest the largest NIL collective that supports ASU Sun Angel collection collective pardon me uh, Dillingham gave like a 20 minute speech to them in uh, the beginning of December and it yielded over a million dollars from a dozen people wow. and um, they, they've now put together at least a few million uh, toward their NIL uh, operation but you guys know that's still not above what you need to be to get into I cover the UCLA. I don't know anything about NIL. <laughs> well, that's that's true, David. But the, the, I did a lot of reporting, and basically you kind of need around $5 million yeah. on an annual spend in football. And that doesn't even get you like a great quarterback. That's just like everywhere else without really having a great quarterback. Um, so they're not – they're not into the top 25, top 30 realm, but they're at least they're at least not embarrassed now. Um, you know, they're they're in in the Big 12, they're at least like decently competitive with a lot of the teams. And 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 look, they're still at an early stage. Like they there's a lot more education that's happening. The the strength is in really in the numbers of how many ASU graduates that there are and trying to tap into the small donations that are recurring thing. And there, there's a lot of um, strategies that they have that are, that are in the works to try to develop that out more. Brian had a question in the chat too. Is ASU going to get hit with sanctions for the crap Herman company did during COVID? Well, Brian, you may have missed it, but ASU self-imposed a, a postseason ban last year. They've also had for two years now, guys, other self-imposed penalties that a lot of people don't know about. They, they're, uh, Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce, even before they, they were no longer at ASU, they were not able to go on the road recruiting. Um, there were a lot of restrictions, for official visit reduction number. They the, This coaching staff didn't go on the road recruiting one week in January when everybody else is out on the road. And uh, there's probably going to be scholarship reduction. There's already been a couple scholarship reduction. And there's additional sort of punishments, but we're getting to the very end of this process, the bifurcated process, basically almost like a plea agreement with the committee that's involved. You propose, hey, here are the punishments that we would like to take to resolve this matter. And then the committee goes, and eh, that's probably not enough. 
we're going to need a little, little bit, little bit more blood from you. And then they come back and they offer a little bit more blood and then they go, eh, we're getting close. Uh, you know, just maybe a little bit more. And then you offer a little more blood and they go, okay, let's get the lawyers involved and let's, uh, let's codify this thing. That's kind of where we're at right now. Got it. You need to get the governor and the, uh, state attorney general involved, like Tennessee, you know, stuff. Yes. Good, good going. Chris, you're going to be out there in Vegas for the, uh, the final PAC 12 basketball tournament. Yes, I am going to be there. I nice. wouldn't miss it. Uh, yeah. Dan, Can't miss Bobby Hurley. You never know what's going to happen. That's yeah. true. I wasn't going right. to go. USC's like in last place, I think. So I wasn't even going to go, but now I'm going, but I got to go on Wednesday cause they stink. So I have to go to the early game. So. Ryan, it's Vegas, man. It's, it is, you Jim. can do. Oh, I have to spend another day in Vegas. <laughs> the world is your oyster in Vegas, man. They've guilted me. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you coming on, um, especially last uh, minute. We didn't, you know, yeah. But I'm going to actually be out your neck of the woods, uh, Super Bowl weekend. So my buddy lives in Scottsdale. We're going to do a little golf, watch some Super Bowl. Are you going to be around or we get a beer or something? I'm ready. Uh, Phoenix Open. I haven't. I'm gonna go. I don't. I haven't decided what day. I'm just kind of last minute, but I'll. I'll probably end up there. Oh, nice. I, I, I think it. we're going Friday. So, okay, cool. I'll. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll let you know, Dave. It's a big party, big golf tournament party. I went a few years back. Yeah. It's like the biggest. It's like the biggest sporting event in the country. Really. Like it, I think it. Yeah, my brother more, went to it one time. It draws it's more than. Yeah, like then the Kentucky Derby, even I think it was like a true, true story, guys. Um, Tiger Woods hit the hole in one that's sort of fa- very famous now at the Phoenix Open, um, whatever it was, 1998 or six or something, whatever. I was actually greenside when that happened, and that oh. was before that was way before they turned it into the party where there's 50,000 people on a hole. I'm they had like yeah. 16th, yeah, they had a frack, I think 10% of the grandstands that they have now. Um, but yeah, that was like my seminal moment at the Phoenix open. And I've, you know, since then I've probably been, you know, eight to 10 more times, but it's, it is a phenomenal party and I encourage everybody to check it out. Yeah. Awesome. I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, but Chris, thanks so much for uh, coming on. We'll let you go and we're going to let, uh, we'll take a break everybody and we'll come back and uh, Dave and I'll try to answer some of your questions and wrap this one up. But Chris Cartman makes you follow him over at uh, Sun Devil source. Uh, check him out. Thanks a lot, Chris. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. See you guys. Bye. All right. We'll be back in a minute, everybody. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. Where are we two of us. It's us. I like that transition. Just you and smooth? me. That was so great. Uh, you showed the same picture of Kenny Dillingham, I think, between four and ten times. Well, I have four pictures of him. It's like there's not. You know, Where's your creative energy? That's a lot Where... of creative. To have four pictures of this 33 year old coach, that's pretty. That's a lot. You should have had a picture of uh, the lead singer of Train ready to yes. go at one point. You should have known. You should have anticipated my line of questioning. <sighs> yeah. I should have. We're just not simpatico. It's because we're not in the same 
same room. Yeah, I don't know why. You're just, what's going on here? Just too much rain out there. You can't you can't drive over the studio. Yeah, I mean, I'm still got a lingering thing. So actually, I'm being courteous to you. Okay. Uh, because I don't want to get you sick before your. I mean, is this this is a big moment? Is this your first vacation of the calendar year, or is this number two? Where are we on the vacation scale? Oh, uh, well, I was in Hawaii, but that was for work. Oh, yeah, certainly for work, entirely for work. Uh, <laughs> this one be. won't be. This one is just for fun. There's a little golf. and uh, Okay, the, yeah. so is, are we calling this vacation number one? There'll be one. I actually have okay. two Catalina trips coming up. So, But that's oh, like okay. one day, one night thing. So. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like fishing. Yeah, yeah. I don't just like vacation. You're like camping and stuff. You know? Uh-huh. And then it'll be Vegas several times in March. I'm going to, that's the problem is I go the first weekend of March madness. So I wasn't going to go to the Pac-12 tournament, but now I'm going to the Pac-12 tournament, at least for a couple of days. Cause I'm going. That's why I'm going. Cause you were going and you kind of guilted me into going. I wouldn't say I guilted you into it. Hello, the man. funny thing is I guilted you into going, but you have to turn it into a work trip. So you're going to go out actually earlier than I am. So you're going to be there Wednesday, and I won't be there till Thursday. I looked at the standings. I'm like, oh, USC's in last. Okay, so they're definitely playing on Wednesday. And this is just me vibing because there is a very good chance UCLA still ends up on Wednesday. Uh, but I think they're going to be top four at the end of the day. Okay. Oh, yeah, because they're not right now, right? No, they're they're in a like four-way tie for fourth. Oh, okay. Um, but they're nice. playing much better. We uh we had a question uh it was for Chris but we already let Chris go but it was in the chat Longhorn uh, for life he wanted Chris to clarify more on what Herm did to this outsider Pac-12 people keep making him the scum of the earth but I don't know what he did uh in detail uh signed Ryan and Dave's favorite UT fan so two things one uh mediocre coach um who probably squandered a lot of talent and as chris uh said uh many good assistant coaches um and the 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 sum was not equal to the uh what's the phrase i'm looking for uh the 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 the, the uh, not equal the to parts. the whatever the parts some of its you, you parts got, yeah you know the what whole, i'm saying the whole is not equal to the sum of its parts you know what i'm saying you yeah. right there um yeah, there you go. The whole was not equal to the sum of its parts. Damn, look at you. Look at you with the words. Don't say I'm the words guy. You're the words guy. Um, so there was that. And then the sanctions stuff, basically, they hosted uh, visits during COVID when nobody should have been on campus. Um, and that's really the long and the short of it. There were some other violations, some other stuff that went on, but I think that was the big one that was a huge no-no. Um, and so... You won't hear Chris say it's unfair uh, because like that they're getting sanctioned for it because it was just an obvious no-no. And uh, some schools were doing like somewhat like so sort of similar things, but ASU was very, very um, out there about it. They were kind of over uh, the top with it. Where, over the top. And, and it was uh, one of like, those ones where like it's – that's a thing where it, it pissed off other coaches where like, hey, we're not – hosting any recruits and they were like blatantly like flying guys in there was you know meeting with them and big groups like it was just kind of uh, a little yeah. bit over the top with some of that stuff yeah yeah um all right alex wants, alex wants to know can we fill a poc craps table oh please let's do it that would be a lot of fun unfortunately let's do like downtown where it's a little cheaper because like yeah, we, we played a lot of $15 craps, Ryan and I, when we were last there, and that was unpleasant. We also played some $25 craps, which was even more unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and not unpleasant because we lost, unpleasant because it feels bad in your it's stomach. It's just so much, like, bad. at least for our budgets, like, it's you put, so much. Well, you put, like, three combats out there, and suddenly you've got, like, 150 bucks out there very quickly, and it's like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I want to do it. I want to. Um, all right. We got to get some questions. Are there any? Let's see. Oh, sorry. Okay. We've got Kellen. You ready? Yeah. Uh, Big 10 versus Big 12 versus ACC. Hi, one Dave and two Ryan. Not that I'm ranking or anything. The U of A player showed me that socialism is the best route. So here we are. Anyways, which conference provides the easiest path to make the 12 team CFP next year? All right. That's first question. What do we think? So, um, the ACC, I, the ACC still has Florida State. I think it's probably the Big Twelve. I think. Well, so there's a uh, there's better teams in the Big Ten. 
the pack two is not going to be one of those um, easier paths. But I would say you could be in the top three in the Big Ten and make it, where you might have to win the Big 12 to make it. So what do you feel like? Like, is it easier to say Oregon? How about this? Let me help you with this, because this is a really, really easy question to answer in my view. Does Arizona, if they were transported to the Big Ten, have an easier chance of finishing in the top three of the Big Ten or winning the Big 12? Yeah, I think they have an easier time winning the Big 12. Correct. So the answer is? The Big 12. There you go. Um, Real quick, Colt says uh, Ellis Island craps tables. I do like Ellis Island. Anywhere we go downtown, we can get between five and ten dollars. So I, I, the the only problem that Ryan and I will have is if our teams keep annoyingly winning, <laughs> because then we can't really embrace uh, the level of um, joie de vie that you need. Uh, by that I mean we can't get super drunk playing craps because that's the only way to truly loosen your inhibitions enough to really make that cheddar. And it usually happens late. Like we would be at the arena till like 11 p.m. And then yeah. it's like, then you start gambling. Yeah. So it depends on also the POC uh, listener base's willingness to stay up late. Um, and honestly, it depends on my ability to stay up late. I'm an old person. Ryan's a younger person than I am. His age does not indicate it, but he is a younger person. <laughs> he texted me the other night at like 8.30. I saw it in the morning because I was asleep. Um. I am an old man. <laughs> the gray hair does not lie. The gray beard, it doesn't. Nice. I am I am an old person. All right. Uh, well, the also, second, there was some, yeah, second part of it. Yeah, there's a second part. Uh, it's Disney princess season. If you have time, assign Disney villains to the former Pac-12 team's coaches. List of villains. Mmm. Mmm. Uh, this is would, hard. This is hard. Who would, like, Captain Hook. Who would Captain Hook be? <sighs> Captain Hook. I mean, it uh, have been Mike Leach back in the day. Clearly. Um, kind of a, a, a flamboyant figure. Wears a lot of pantaloons. Has a big hat. Um, uh, pretty out there. Um, has a vendetta against uh, a, a young boy. Um, I'm trying to think. Does that, does that apply to anybody? I don't know. This is really tough. I think there's like... Yeah, this is hard. This is hard. I got to give more thought to this one. We need some suggestions from the uh, audience for villains. Yeah. Um, but he gives a list of the villains, like the Evil Queen from Snow White, uh, Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent. Yeah, it's tough. Villains are harder. Villains are harder because they don't have positive attributes. So it's it's the, the problem is um, th- you have to think of everyone's negative attributes and so many of the coaches in the Pac-12 are just boring dudes who just are boring and like that's their main attribute is that they're boring uh, you can always apply something positively to these guys yeah. like oh yeah he, you know whatever uh, wants to say shut up in a castle that's uh, Kyle Whittingham or whatever um, so anyway we'll, 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 I'll think on it Kellen okay. I'll think on it for you we got Thomas wrote in flatterly, flattery, flattery, flatterly, 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 flatterly will get you nowhere. Hey guys, I was originally going to write in last week to express my deep gratitude to Shane for awarding me eighth place on the top 10 list, but didn't finish it in time. Luckily that gave Bree a chance to steal the show and make a cameo appearance over voicemail. As for Shane's uh, effusive praise, all I can say is that flattery will get you nowhere. Comparing me to perhaps the greatest writer in the English language as an insult is one thing, but for him to then reveal that an email I wrote, checks notes, almost four years ago, is still living rent-free in the heads of the podcast until Asia. Now that Intelligentsia. Intelligentsia. What the hell is that? Okay. Now that is a true badge of honor. The intelligentsia are the uh, the elite, the uh, the people who who like set the culture who who talk like our intelligentsia are like people who like read and like care about the new york times ah yeah so horrible people right yes yeah um yeah i you also when you are confronted with a word you have not seen before ryan you have the same habit as my youngest daughter which is i'm just gonna say some things i'm not even gonna look at these letters fuck them fuck the letters yeah just like phonics is bullshit phonics is bullshit 
I'm not going to follow any of those rules. We are just going to guess. And I, I appreciate like, that about I both like of that. you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially staring at the screen. It's my, the, the letters are smaller now. My eyes aren't as good. It's like, I need you're, to make it bigger. You're actual age old. I am spiritually old. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so, nevertheless, <laughs> I'm trying to be more succinct these days. So here's a question for Dave. And if so inclined, Ryan to ponder. In the alternate universe where Chip Kelly was fired last November, what you're getting Dave excited here. What mm. do you think would have been, uh, who do you think would have been hired to replace him? And if Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly quits in the next few months to wait tables at IHOP just outside Iowa city, who would realistically would be an option to become the Bruins next head coach? I asked because we did not know two months ago that even if UCLA had replaced Chip with Jonathan Smith, Caitlin DeBoer, or Jed Fish previously, Martin Jaramon would still need to find someone else now. Keep sampling those cheeses, Thomas B. Okay, hang on, Thomas. Uh, if if UCLA had hired Jonathan Smith or Jed Fish two months ago, like right after the season, they would be the coach going into this year. Like, uh, earmuffs Washington... No one's going to Washington to take half the like to get half the TV money that they would get at UCLA. Um, like it's just it's right now. Is it a better job? Sure, but like Jed Fish wanted to be at UCLA. Jonathan Smith was like doing back channel stuff to try to get to UCLA, and they just passed on doing anything because the administration at UCLA is a nerd. The only one of those guys who would have immediately bounced is Kalen DeBoer because he'd be going to Alabama. Um, so just that first. Second, um, at this point, who UCLA should hire is almost literally, I won't say exactly literally, but almost literally anyone with a pulse. Um, right now, Chip Kelly, for all intents and purposes, as the UCLA coach, does not have one. Uh, recruiting is dead, absolutely deceased. I've been joking about it for many years that UCLA's recruiting is very bad. It's now the actualization of all of those jokes. They are currently 58th in the 2024 class. You know, the one that's going to be signed tomorrow, like the final, you know, final high school recruits coming together. And then there's going to be one more transfer portal window coming out of spring which is mostly going to be guys who got beat out in the spring at their their current spots. And that's it. And they are 58th. That is the worst recruiting class in UCLA history. You could hire anyone, anyone, and it would breathe more life into this program. You could rehire Carl Durrell. You could rehire Rick Neuheisel, and it would re reinvigorate things. Now to some you're talking. Because things are dead. They are deceased. The head coach of the program just spent the better part of a month trying to get any job, any other job he could find. He tried to talk to Iowa about their OC job. He talked to NFL teams about their OC jobs. There was a report that he may have even looked into the Boston College head coaching job. He is trying to leave, and he can't. He can't, and UCLA won't fire him. It is the worst situation I can remember for UCLA football Ever, ever, the program is so in such dire straits right now. Any change would be beneficial. Anything. So, is it does that answer that, your question? Is it good that the UCLA is going to the Big Ten now, like where they take football more seriously and stuff? Um, I don't even know how to answer that. So. <laughs> Because the thing is, and this is what I said from the beginning with UCLA's move to the Big Ten, unless this is a signal that they're getting serious, it's a bad decision. And every single signal, every single explicit thing that UCLA has done since then has signaled the exact opposite, that they are getting less serious, that they are trying to be more like an Ivy League school. And it is absolutely stunning the level of disregard they have for their own fan base. It is. Um, I've used the word embarrassing a lot, but it's it's honestly, and like, I don't mean to talk about sports as if they're that important. They're not. But there's a lot of people who invest a lot of time and energy into caring about this stuff. And I've made this point before. It's disrespectful 
to those people to not invest at least an ounce of energy in faking like you're serious. They're not even faking it anymore. They're pretending like they're not even pretending that what we've seen for the last 20 years that they're serious. Like, oh gosh, I guess we got to fire this guy now because everyone's everyone's done with him. So it's they're non-viable anymore. We're gonna fire him. They're not even doing that anymore. Uh, they they they've shown uh, you know the the mask is off at this point, and I think it's it's disrespectful to the fan base. I think it's I mean it's it's uh, it's it's shameful behavior at a certain level where it's just um, you're hired to do a job, you're paid very well for it, and uh, and one of the base functions of that job is to carefully curate uh, your major uh, athletic programs and to make sure that uh, there's a level of excitement in your fan base. So, and just from like a dollars and cents perspective, so people keep donating, keep, people keep buying tickets, people keep buying merchandise, all that kind of crap. Uh, and that's not being done. That's not being executed. Um, and so there's like due diligence that's not being done. There's uh, just like basic, like just maintenance of the program that's not being done. Um, and it's just just an absence of leadership and vision at all levels. Um, it is, again, the most stunning mismanagement of an athletic program I can remember uh, and absolutely the worst position the UCLA program's been in forever. It's more of a basketball school anyway, right? I mean, it's just like not... <laughs> it, it's... It, it, I, I, I can't because I'm sitting here and you're sitting there. But if if I was sitting there, I would be threatening certain things right now that we all know what those things are. West Texas okay? Mike, I know. Uh, why does Chip want to coach but not at UCLA? Like he's looking for a coaching job. Just oh, not oh you, you know what other job he'd get paid millions of dollars to do? None, none, none. But frankly, I don't know that there's any proof, any evidence at this point that anyone would pay him more than, you know, a million bucks to do anything right now because he tried to get a job and couldn't. He tried to get an offensive coordinator job and couldn't. There was really that's that's not was, a great sign. Like even at Iowa, like looking to do, go there. So I don't know. How, so that's the one where he talked to Kirk Ferentz. I've heard that enough from enough people that it's. Yeah. Okay. Uh but I don't know how serious that one was. That might that might have been like a, yeah. Well, well, we're gonna bandy about some ideas, but uh, I, I don't know how serious that got. But the NFL stuff was all very serious. Yeah, he was uh, trying really hard. It's funny. You could, yeah, I think Chip Kelly would score too many points for what I would want for an offensive coordinator. Like, uh, you're one of those guys that scores points. We're not looking for that. Brian says, nice, Dave comparing Ryan to a six-year-old when I said that you um, had the same phonics habits as my uh, yeah. youngest daughter. Uh, that is really unfair uh, to Ryan. I'm comparing him to a seven-and-a-half-year-old. There you go. See? We're much deep into second grade now. Much, okay? much more mature. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Put some respect on Ryan's name. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seven-and-a-half. I, yeah. I could take that. Um, okay. That's all I got. Do you got anything else? Do we have any more questions? Is that it? So. I think that's it. Wow. Okay. West Texas Mike did give us some suggestions for people to talk to, but we uh, looks like we're going to start talk to uh, Steve Bartle uh, next week about the Utes. Um, These two Utes. He's actually coming to Southern California with his family. For are we going to uh, bring him in? But it, he's leaving Saturday, so I don't think we're going to be able to. Um, they're going uh, to like Disneyland and stuff. So nice. Yeah, have a good time with that. But we'll talk uh, some Utah football. So if you have any questions ahead of time, since we'll give you a little heads up, we'll schedule him to come on. You can email us, packedwithpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, look at David. He's looking good. Um, it looked like something was breaking in your in your brain. <laughs> it's like someone stuck like a needle somewhere. And it was just like, yeah, that's exactly like moving around, like making your face do different things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, let's see. Oh, Brian has a question we could throw up there. Let me see. Your face is going. I've often heard you refer. So this is for you, Dave. Uh, you refer to Jim Mora had it going at UCLA until he quote lost his mind. I know he had marital issues, but can you expound on this a bit more as to what you're referring to? 
the marital issues is a bit of a false canard. Uh, he had a lot of issues. Um, he's, uh, uh, he was very high and low. How about that? Okay. Is that a nice way of saying it? Um, I, I really like Jim. Uh, he was, um, he could be a really, really good guy, really energetic, really fun. And then he could be a real dick and a real asshole. And it kind of flipped on a dime a lot. Um, Interesting. And he also had marital issues at the end of his tenure, but things were going wrong in the program uh, the 2013-2014 offseason, uh, heading into that 2014 season. Was it, his daughter, I think, was at USC, and then, like a picture of her like in USC clothes got out or something, and it was just like, well, who cares? Like, she's in college. Like, I don't know. Like, people were making a big deal about that or something. Is that – Yeah, right? I mean, there was a big deal about um, his – I mean, there was a lot. There, uh, a lot went on. Uh, his, he was so at a lot of institutions. The coaches' kids get into school um, at the school that they are the coach at. That's not the way it worked at UCLA, um, and there were some hard feelings about that uh. at different points. Um, and so. Uh, he sent some of his kids to, I think one or two of them went to USC um, and some saw it as a FU uh, to UCLA at the time. Um, but I don't know. I, it's proximity and it's the, you know, it's the next best school option that's local. Like uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I, I always thought I, that stuff always rubbed me wrong. Um, and so, uh, but like, what is, I don't know, uh, like making kids public figures and like analyzing what they're wearing and doing is stupid. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up here. Another fun episode of the podcast of uh, champions. Thanks to Chris Cartman, who did a, uh, let me get his little uh, great job out there talking ASU football Arizona State Sun Devils <laughs> oh, yeah. really good stuff uh, you know it wasn't as um, you forget that they are having an athletic director search over there wasn't quite as exciting as what Arizona has going on there's a lot more turmoil and stuff uh, ASU had a lot more turmoil last couple years and seems like things are settling down a little bit so we'll see what they're able to kind of build on that what Kenny Dillingham could do. Oh, we forgot to talk. They, uh, Marcus Arroyo, they hired him too. Yeah, I forgot to get into all the um, uh, Kenny Dillingham continuing to hire offensive coordinators uh, stupidly. Yeah, that was stupidly because so Bo Baldwin is out. I, I totally wrote that down. My apologies. I didn't ask uh, Chris about that, but um, he was hired in December, I believe, and didn't, I don't think he worked last year. He was the UNLV head coach prior to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, but will Kenny still be calling the plays? We'll have to uh, get Chris to update. Probably not for three games that they lose, and then suddenly he's going to realize that that's what he was hired to do again. Yeah. Uh, my apologies for not asking about that one. So, But anyway, good stuff from Chris. Uh, always fun. Looking forward to talk about the Utes uh, next week when I get back, and I hope everyone has a fun Super Bowl weekend. Uh, David, have a great time. and uh, I will. Yeah. Uh, good time for David David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed our little show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.